This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello. Welcome to this virtual qualification recording of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, FA. I'm a food addict from Michigan, and I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. I am so grateful to be um, where I'm at today at this very moment, on on this very day, (laughs) to um, be able to have a story to tell. And um, I'm going to take a journey from what it was like before I came into F.A., what brought me to the rooms of FA, Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, and what life is like today. So um, I'll start with a couple numbers. I am 42 um, at this moment, and I came into program uh, in 2010, and I was 30 at the time, 30 years old at that time. But before I got to the rooms of FA, I I had a story that was developing uh, with with something I didn't even know uh, what to call it. I just thought it was my story of just struggle with weight, with food, with feeling uncomfortable with my body and myself. Um, I did not know that food and addiction went together until I I really um, walked into the, you know, walked into the rooms of FA. Uh, A little bit about myself growing up. Um, I'm the youngest of three kids, and so I have two older sisters. I grew up in a two-parent home. I would say somewhere between middle to maybe upper class income. Both of my parents worked. Um, You know, we grew up in this, I remember feeling like my home was very comfortable, but it, it, it must have been some things that were uncomfortable that I just didn't know how to articulate. But for the most part, I mean, our home seemed pretty uneventful. You know, uh, our, uh, my sisters and I we were very close in age. So we were all in school together, in elementary, you know, school together. And I mean, literally, there's like two years between each of us and about 18 months really between me and my middle sister. So very, very close knit family. I also remember growing up um, as the youngest in my family feeling somewhere like I wasn't old enough. Like I just couldn't get as, I I was always the kind of kid that wanted to be bigger and more advanced and quicker. Um, And that really was a sticking point because I was short. So I always had like step stools around the house or had to use something to get the door handle. And so my mom told me a story once that when I was, when I got tall enough where I didn't use the step stool that I kicked it like ferociously, like I don't need this anymore. So it was really big for me to get empowered and feel independent. But I always was nervous too. It was like weird. I, I had a favorite pillow. 
Um, I slept with the nightlight. I bit my nails. I was always, you know, uh, uh, how can I put this? I was the kind of anxious kind of kid that would twill, like kind of twiddle with my fingers or pick at something or chew on my pencil. And um, if I could have can, or if I could have sweets or treats, that was even better. But I could eat anything. I ate paper. Um, you know, I sucked on things that I shouldn't have either sucked or chewed on. They, they were not edible, um, like uh, pen caps or, you know, things like that. It's like I always needed something to kind of dampen my internal, you know, just discomfort. Um, I was chubby and heavy set, but I can't say that that was like all my childhood. I was actually born as a premature, a premature baby. So I didn't have a lot of, um, weight my first few years of life. You know, um, I was like three pounds and something. And I think when I look back on some of my childhood pictures, I would fit in with all the kids, but in my head, I was always so heavy or so different or so something, <laughs> you know, too short or too this. I just never felt enough. And um, when the weight started to show up, it never stopped. Like, I don't have the story where I was chubby and then lost weight really uh, quickly and stayed thin. Like, I gained weight and kept gaining. And it just went from being mildly chubby to being overweight to I'm concerned. It just seemed like it went very dire, very quickly for me. Um, I, part of my story is, you know, uh, part of my early childhood, like grade school level um, school, schooling was in Catholic school. And I had to wear plaid pleated skirts. And I had um, outgrown. I was too big for the small jumper. So I actually had to wear a larger um, uniform for the lower grade level that I was in, which was really hard for a third grader to wear like a sixth grader uniform because I couldn't wear the jumper anymore. They didn't make it that big. And, um, you know, I, my love affair, if you want to call it that, with food was so subtle. Like it was, I, I thought it was what every kid did. Like what kid didn't like sweets? What kid didn't like, you know, um, I thought that was normal. But I also knew it wasn't quite normal when the teacher would give out, you know, eaches to each of the children, like their, their portion. I would get mad. Like I thought the teacher was punishing me or controlling the, the food intake. Like I wanted to get as much as I wanted, um, you know, without any boundary, especially when it came to food. I didn't care if it gave me a tummy ache. I don't, I didn't care if it gave me a um, cavity. I didn't care if it broke out my skin with acne. I just wanted to eat. And it, it never felt like enough. But again, I thought I was no different than 
the, the, the girls that were smaller or, you know, the people that didn't have weight, I thought I just had a, a defective body and it was because I wasn't tall enough. So most of my childhood, I prayed that God would give me height. <laughs> I wanted to be tall and I thought I would outgrow this period of just being overweight, which never happened because I am the same height I was in the sixth grade. I never grew past the sixth grade. I'm five foot one and three quarters. And I'm as I'm as, my shoe size is the same. Like everything is the same. Um, so that prayer was not answered um, for me. But I have a feeling that I would have been a six foot tall woman, still morbidly obese. <laughs> so I, you know, the things I did with food were just, I, I would sneak. I remember stealing food. Um, I remember being late for like, as a, as a student in school, I would be late um, making the first bail, you know, the first, uh, first class, first period, because I wanted to walk to the store to get my stuff before I got to school. And I was tardy. I had excessive tardiness because I wanted to eat. And that didn't change. I mean, I graduated from high school and progressed to college. But even when I started working, I had tardiness because I needed to eat before I came to work. And now I look back, I was getting high off of food before I could face life. That's what I was doing. I was going to get my hit or my fix so that I could stomach going to school or stomach going to work. The discomfort never got dealt with. It just got kind of like I would get that buzz from the sugar or from the whatever. And I would, I would, I would be able to coast. Like I would be able to, to do just enough to pass my classes or, you know, as I got older, do just enough not to lose my job. But I always needed that stuff. And I, I, you know, I like to say that as I got older, I got more sophisticated with it. So instead of, you know, uh, going to the convenience store as a teenager and getting the junk food, I had these large, extravagant, hot coffees and beverages that were like, I don't even know how many calories was in an eight ounce cup of the stuff that I, I would drink, but that's what I needed that that jolt of liquid courage that came by way of, you know, sugar products and flour products. Um, I am so grateful that I have these memories to remind myself why I qualify to be here and to say I am a food addict and know that it's not just the label that I wear I need to know <laughs> that at any given time and on any given day that I'm a food addict and that left to my own devices, I would pass through this life trying to pick up flour, sugar, and excessive quantities just to be able to show up. So, you know, a lot of pain in my life with my weight. Um, I remember trying my first diet at the age of eight and I continued to diet all the way till I walked into the rooms of FA. I've done a lot of diets. Um, 
You know, I've done things that were commercial diets, things that were um, diets that my friend told me worked for them when they were trying to cut weight. I even would ask the wrestling team, like how they cut weight. And I didn't do all the extreme things that they did, but I realized that they would try to cut weight with the saunas. And so I would go to the saunas and try to like sweat out weight. And it just got more and more aggressive for me. I, I remember going to programs like diet, um, doctor prescribed programs or things that kind of seemed like it was a little bit more medical um, based, but it still didn't deal with addiction. Like the, the, the core of me, I have a disease that is full of fear. I'm a person that's full of fear, doubt, and insecurity. And when I'm uncomfortable, I seek a path that gives me ex an escape or gives me some release. And oftentimes, for me, my first drug of choice has been food. And so I don't necessarily need a person to tell me this is the amount of calories I can consume, or this is how I need to eat uh, on the first phase of a program, because that doesn't work for me. It may work for my body to shed a few pounds, but it's not enough for me to stay with it long-term because it doesn't address what happens when life happens, when this little diet plan that they give you doesn't help you face, you know, losing a loved one or being downsized from a job. I, so I didn't know like that just would work as long as it, it would work. And then that, and then I would just go back into gaining weight again. So I spent a lot of money, spent a lot of time. Um, I, I, I also did like very bizarre things like colonics. Um, I would try to abuse those to try to purge food um, and weight. And that was not great. Um, I tried, I would, I would therapist hop. Like I would go to one therapist, to another therapist, to another therapist. <laughs> I would try a woman, then I would try a male. And I would try um, group therapies or just, you know, support groups, but nothing worked. And so this whole time, I'm just, my weight is escalating. Um, 200, 250 pounds, 260 pounds. And then I stopped weighing myself when I hit 271. And I know I kept gaining weight because my job would require us to do health screenings. And, um, Part of it was weighing our, you know, we had to get weighed and they would measure the circumference of your waist and they would do blood pressure and all that other stuff. And my weight just kept climbing and I just got in complete denial. So, you know, instead of dealing with that whole health screening, I would change my benefit package that the one that would cost you almost three times as much, but you didn't have to do the screening. That's what I would do. That's the craziness of my disease to just try to avoid it. Um, you know, I thought they were shaming us and making us do this crazy biometric screening and stuff, you know? So about the age of 30, I just kept banging my head against the wall. I didn't know if I wanted to maybe pursue getting surgery or if I just needed to find myself 
uh, a way to be happy at a size 22, 24? Um, I just didn't know. But I remembered vaguely this program that was in the back of my head that a family member had participated in like 10 years before I even stepped foot in the rooms. And, and I had enough knowledge to do a Google search and it landed me in FA. And I remember my first meeting. I went to the uh, meeting in, um, in my state and I looked around the room and nobody was as heavy as I was. And they were smiling and they welcomed me. It was a relatively small face-to-face -face meeting. And um, I didn't want to be there. I just, I, I mean, I, I just, they were nice and it was welcoming, but I can't tell, a, you know, like I can't tell a lie and say I was really, really happy to be there because I wasn't. I felt like, oh, I don't want to be here. I want to be out with my friends. I want to enjoy my life. And, you know, I just was afraid. I was afraid of coming to terms with myself as a food addict. I was afraid that I would have to let go of something that I had loved my whole life. And, and I just had a lot of fear, but I'm so grateful that at the end of that meeting, we ended with the serenity prayer. And I went to my car and I remember sitting in my car and thinking, I have to go back. Like I knew in my bones that I had to go back because it was something here. And by the grace of God, I kept coming back. <laughs> it was not easy. I would love to tell the, the story that I, from that day one, I got it and I stuck to it and I was committed. That wasn't part of my story. I struggled. I struggled with letting go of the food in an addictive way. I struggled with um, surrendering my will and realizing that there were people in FA that knew more about food and portions than I did. And I needed to surrender that and say, I trust that my higher power brought me here and that my sponsor could give me guidance enough where I could no longer have to be held captive by food. And I needed to let it go. So by the grace of God, I, that weight that I carried, it started to release. It started to let go. I started to shed the pounds. But then I started to shed some mental stuff. And then I started to realize that I needed a, a higher power in my life. And so my journey has been my journey. These last 12 years have been some ups and some downs. Um, I did leave program for 14 months. And in that 14 months, I gained 102 pounds back that I had lost. And I tell that part of my story because I also don't want to forget that this disease is progressive, but it's also aggressive in the fact that it doesn't negotiate. It doesn't say you're only going to gain two pounds this time. No, my, my disease wants it all. And my disease is never yielding. So I kept eating and eating and eating addictively. And, I, and that weight kept growing and growing and growing. And I did, I gained back a lot of weight that I had never experienced that kind of weight gain before. But I'm glad because it finally made me say, I'm sick. 
Like I'm not just fat or overweight or, a, you know, need to get healthier. I am a sick addict and I need help. I don't just need to lose weight. I have a mental condition, a spiritual condition in a physical condition, and it's all intertwined. So I came back uh, in 2015, and by the grace of God, this July will be seven years of back-to-back abstinence for me. But more importantly, I just, I remember that first day of abstinence, I was, it was very bizarre. I was a cross between being very tearful and being very happy. It's like, I was just, I was, part of me was so excited to not have the shame of eating the way I was eating when I was in active addiction, but my emotions were so raw because everything just felt so exposed. You know, I, I, I knew that I lived that year eating addictively, but like coming out of that fog and realizing that my body had, I I picked up a solid hundred plus pounds was heartbreaking. It was emotional. Um, But it also was very, very truth telling for me of what this disease will do to me. Like it will take me out in a way that I cannot control. So, you know, what is life like now? Life is amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. I don't abuse colonic. I don't go to saunas for hours on end. I don't take laxatives to try to rid myself of the food that I just ate. Um, I don't hide in secrecy and, and, and cram my mouth full of sweet stuff. Like, I hold my head up with a a measure of confidence that I never had before. Um, Another blessing or um, fruit of this, of of being in recovery is that I have a higher power and I'm no longer it. Like everything doesn't rest on my shoulders. I don't have to figure out my whole life in one day. I just have to do today. I just have to put my food on the scale. I eat nothing more, nothing less, nothing different. You know, I talk to my higher power. I say my serenity prayer. It's like I call my fellows and my life is so much richer. It's it's like I have, it feels as though I have a new life. And it's some days I don't even, like I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I have the same DNA as the addict, you know, like the person I used to be, the one that couldn't pick, you know, dirty clothes off the floor or, you know, I was, I I just can't believe I was the kind of person that would drive around in circles and ask myself over and over again, what sounds good to eat? What sounds good to eat? What do you feel like eating? What, you know, oh, this place doesn't open until 11 o'clock. Well, let me sit in the parking lot so I could be the first to get the fresh food right away. You know, that's how my life was so narrow. It's just, what could I put in my mouth? And it's just not that way in the, it, anymore. Like in the morning, I wake up and most days I wake up with a smile on my face because I'm just so dang on glad that I have another day to live a life that I used to dread. Like I used to dread living. 
And now I just, you know, I wake up and I love, I love the things that I have in my life. I love the person that I am in this life that I'm living. I, I am happier and joyful and grateful. Um, I have, since coming back in recovery, I have been fortunate enough to meet and marry my husband. We started our family. So I have a one-year-old son. Um, I, I'm, I, I know you can't tell from the recording, but I'm smiling because I'm reflecting on how rich my life is. And it's just sometimes overwhelming. That, that little old me who walked in the church in 2010 at the age of 30, who really did not want to be an addict. I didn't want to be there. I didn't feel like I fed in. Like, I just thought I was too young. <laughs> you know, I have, I have, you know, I still had some good years ahead of me. <laughs> I thought I couldn't have good years without food. And now it's like, food never gave me a good life. Food gave me a compromised way of living. It gave me a very narrow way. I'm, I love using that word narrow because it was, it was just so one and two, wake up, eat, eat, go to bed, wake up, eat, eat, go to bed. Like it was that narrow, nothing else mattered. So today I have a much fuller life. I feel like a much more complete person. My mind is clearer. I can think. I, I don't have that fogginess. I don't have that um, overwhelming sense of self-centeredness where everything's about me and I don't do things because I don't want to and I don't feel like doing it. Like I actually am considerate about other people. And you know, I, one of the things that I, I attribute to my recovery is that I love people today. Like to say that, like, I love people. I don't just tolerate people or like, I don't just get along with people because I'm playing nice in the sandbox. I genuinely love people of all walks of, of, of life, of all diversities, all age groups. Like that's how much my heart has grown in recovery. So with that, um, I think I'm done. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.